Welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by thelines.com. Coming to you from the West Coast, Josh Lander, joined as always by Nate Weitzer on the East Coast. And we've got seven games here on this slate for you on Wednesday night. In this game, we are taking a look at the Chicago Bulls playing host to the Sacramento Kings, probably the Pacific winning uh, Sacramento Kings also got another game up for you tonight and our player props. So make sure to like and subscribe to that page. Also want you to head to the lines.com. Nate and I are throwing the picks up there now in a couple articles, most throwing some picks on there as well. So make sure you head over there, check out all the NBA action we have on the site right now. Also want you to head to uh, the lines.com to use that odds finder tool. Uh, that's where you can go ahead and get the best odds available to you uh, from all these U S sports books that are giving us bets in the NBA this season. Nate, let's run through this slate real quick for everyone tonight and then talk about this game, Sack in Chicago. Yeah, we got the grind fest here at Miami. Memphis is plus four in that one. The other game we break down, Philly minus two and a half at Cleveland. We'll see about Jared Allen's status. Cavs on a back-to-back. <clears throat> Totals rising to 222 there. Lakers on a back-to-back, minus three at Houston. Uh, the Kings are in a pick'em here at the Bulls. Total's been bet down a little from 239-236. Celtics minus five at Minnesota, trying to get back on track. Mavs minus six at Spurs. <clears throat> Luka's out. Kyrie is questionable. So we'll see there if it's another Jaden Hardy game. And then the Warriors trying to buy a win on the road. Plus two at the Clippers, 237 total out there. Yeah, I mean, we were both on this. Total under 239 last night. Uh, the Bulls are have been incredibly defensively and match up very well against the Kings. I, I mean, you look no further than how they've, they, they played each other last time. Uh, a 110-101 game in Sacramento. Zach Levine goes nuts and, and the Bulls, you know, still don't score very much. They have one of the ugliest half-court offenses we have seen in recent memory. And now they're playing, that was an Alex Caruso game, as exemplified by his 30 minutes, zero points, positive impact. Uh, And now they have two of those guys in Pat Bev and Caruso. Uh, I don't know what you want to call them. I guess the the Bash brothers uh, or or something along those lines. People can workshop it. But, I mean, the point is that it's going to be a bit of a tough night for De'Aaron Fox against these guys. Um, to be able to to get out and transition and score a lot. I mean, Chicago's limiting everything uh, right right now since the All-Star break, really about the last 15 games, right? So count seven before the break or so. Though they floundered into the break with that horrible offense. But just looking since the break, number one in points allowed, number one pay points allowed, number one by far in fast break points allowed, allowing under seven per game. So that's a Kings thing right there. Uh, number four in free throw attempt allowed and Kings are fourth in free throw rate in that span. And then their offense is just, is like I'm saying, I mean, they, they score the second lowest percentage of points off threes, ninth lowest in the paint as always with the DeRozan team, they're number two in mid range points. Uh, but that's, you know, DeRozan is having a, maybe a career worst year. You could say yeah. after a career best year last year, yep. and they've been awful in the clutch, the bulls. So, if you feel like this total is dropping too much, I think what we do is go back to trusting the Kings in a close game here. Um, you know, the, the Bulls are two and five in their last seven clutch games, 21st in offensive rating. On the season, Kings, uh, uh, just on the road on the season, the number one offense in the clutch, number two net. 
You look at their last eight clutch overall. They won six of them. They're four and zero in OT. Uh, they're twenty six and ten against teams with losing records. The Bulls are one and four in OT, three and six in one possession games. So if it's close, I mean, you you gotta like the Kings here. It, you you gotta you look at the Bulls say, well, they just popped up with a win in Denver and they held Denver to ninety six and. That's impressive, but then you look at what Denver's done since, which is just not not come out against anybody with any sort of intensity, and and then that win looks a lot less impressive. And and before that, the Bulls had lost seven straight when listed as underdogs, just not stepping up against the top tier teams the way we saw them pop up a little bit early right. in the season. Right now, they're just they're trying to creep into the play in here by beating the teams they can beat, uh, but they just haven't been a match for the top teams in the NBA. Yeah, it's sad. Uh, what's going on in Chicago? If you told me they had the fifth best defensive rating at the beginning of this season, I'd be like, oh, what are, what are they, like the four seed? A team with, with those guys on it is, is fifth in defensive rating. So what are they? they they're 12th in offensive rating, and then they're they're a top four seed in the East. And they, they're just brutal on offense, and it's, it's DeMar DeRozan. Uh, unsurprisingly, the regression coming for this whole offense is based around its best player not being as good as he was last season. Regardless of Levine coming back, because he missed a lot of last season at the same time, He's been going off as of late, and that's great for him. But even in this last matchup versus Sack, you saw what happened when he had 41, like you said, and, and shot 16 for 28 from the field overall, which is bananas. That's Kobe Bryant. So, um, the it, by the way, the Toronto Raptors would like a word for worst offensive <laughs> half-court offense in the league as well. Um, but they could definitely split that right now with Chicago outs, of, of any teams that aren't just obviously tanking. So, yeah, I think in this one, I, I do lean under. Um, I, I think what happened in Sack in that last game too right like that's a little bit telling of uh of what chicago can do to a total just tank it because they can't score um and even even on defense like they, they are it's not just that they're good man like they're legitimately good because they get back on defense and they defensive rebound period they don't let you get fast break points and once your possession is done it's done Right. Um, and, and that's that's huge for them. So I think that's going to be the key in this one, because, you know, you definitely touched on it. But like it's the, the key stats here are it's not even necessarily because, by the way, Sacramento has been really, really good uh, on the road from deep, like ridiculously good and and good for most of the season. But like really, really good, like 17 points on 41, 17 made threes on 41 percent good, which is like Steph Curry. Good. Right. Warriors. Good. So um, that that doesn't even necessarily matter as much. I, I mean, Chicago has been playing well on, on, on defense uh, as well, but uh, against the three as well. I mean, specifically, but those threes are coming in transition as well. Um, they're, they're, they're hitting like four transition threes a game are the Kings and because they're coming down and pulling on that fast break as well. But we just mentioned how Chicago gets back and limits all of that. They don't turn the ball over uh, Chicago. They limit their opponents points off of turnovers. Once again, a fast break stat in transition that the Kings want to run and the and Chicago just limits that. So I think there's a good reason aside from DeMar not being able to, to score in this last game that they met, there's still a good reason that that went under um, just in, sort of the flow that these two teams play 12 and 20, uh, 20 to the over on the road, Sacramento. We know they score seven, their games average seven more games at home than they do on the road. 236 is actually what their games <coughs> average on the road. And I think you've got to bump that down a bit just because of the fact that Chicago plays so slowly at home uh, over their last four, uh, six games at home, a 94 pace, which is good for slowest in the league. Um, actually, the 28th slowest pace is at 96, getting two extra possessions. That's how much slower they're playing than the team just two spots behind them in, in terms of slowest pace. They go 
13 and 20 to the over at home. And those games are averaging 225 and they're going under by an average of four. Uh, and then just because I didn't really have much else to do with my time, I went back through their last 23 games and saw that they went under 21 times in 23 games if that total was 237. So they haven't hit more than 237 in a game more than twice in their last 23 games, regardless of venue. Uh, and I just told you they go over, uh, excuse me, under way more at home than they do on the road for the Bulls this season. So I think they're just going to lock it in. They're going to play defense. They're going to have the Bash Bros, Smash Bros, whatever you want to call Caruso and Pat Bev. They're going to have them in a good spot to be able to, to hound them in the exact areas uh, that Chicago wants to do everything they do. Right at the point of attack with De'Aaron Fox, if Pat Bev gets in front of him, slows that down, slows everything down. Um, so I think this is a good opportunity for that to go under like 235 even. Um, and definitely also really, I, I lean Kings with you on this one as well. I believe in them and the way they're playing even on the road, though they are better at home. Um, they've won four in a row on the road right now, the Kings. So I feel pretty good about them. Yeah. I mean, we've been on this for a couple months being like Kings on the road are going under they're, they're The line isn't going to be set properly, but now I think <clears throat> it is kind of rounding back into form in terms of Vegas being like, yeah, we understand that trend too, or the public being on all over. That's why you're seeing it be bet down a little bit. And the one thing that does give me pause is how are they both number one in effective field goal percentage and dead last in field goal percentage allowed since the break? I mean, that's like over city when they're the most efficient team and and the least efficient defense. But I mean, I can look at the game log and say, like, I respect all the offenses they played. That includes the ridiculous high scoring game against the Clippers. The one time they faced what I would consider a truly bad offense, the Pelicans. They held them to 108. So I think the Kings are capable of playing good defense if they're not playing, you know, a powerhouse like the Bucks or the Suns or or one of those high-scoring teams. And and the Bulls, as as we mentioned, are are far from a powerhouse offensively. They they have this extremely choppy gross style. Uh, there's really no trend to look at in terms of their over or under against the Western Conference. It's basically just alternated consistently. Uh, but th- there is a trend to say at home, especially recently, that they're gonna they're gonna go way under this total um, if if they're able to dictate the pace at all. And the Kings, yeah, th- I mean, away from home, less able to dictate that pace. Probably going to be pacing themselves a little bit more on this road trip as well, and just trying to get out of here with a close win. So yeah, I'm still with you on the under at 236. I think if it drops any more, I would be I would start to shy away from it. Yeah, I mean, I'm feeling so confident and I'm, you know, I'm not like telling anybody to do anything. I, I'm never telling anybody on this show to do anything. Um, but I am saying for myself, because I'm feeling frisky, like maybe I just go ahead and take an alt under because I, I could see this going under 230. And I, I think 236 and a half is still a good number to get under at, uh, like I said, especially with I'm, I'm just believing in the Bulls and the way that they can control the pace a little bit more at home because they have their guards. Wonder what would happen if Lonzo Ball was playing in this game. I don't know if we'd take an under necessarily. Probably go a bit more over despite how good he's on defense. He also opens up that offense. But come back, Lonzo. We miss you. Sixers, Cavs here. Um, I mean, 219 was where the total started. And I, I don't think we're alone in saying we'll take the over on that. The Cavs have, are still the number one scoring defense in the league. But lately, they've been a little less impressive. I mean, their games have averaged 225. And they've gone over a nine of their last 12. And it's not just a case of opponent because they got back-to-back games against Miami in there. So that's about as low scoring as it can get. They are on a back-to-back, and they do tend to go under more often. They're 8-3 and three the under on those back-to-backs, but they're scoring a little bit more. 108 per game versus 105 
on normal rest. Um, and this to me is more about the Sixers. This is this, this game to me is more about Joel Embiid and, and him just dominating and, and, and putting another feather in his cap for MVP, whether Jared Allen plays or not. I don't, I don't think he cares. Um, in his last nine against Allen, he's averaging 30 and 13, five assists. And he, that includes a couple lines last February, 40, 14 and 10, 42, 13, and six against Allen. Got 15 free throws in both of those. And and he's just been unstoppable really for a couple months now. Uh, But since the All-Star break, he looked 35 points a game on 38% usage, 14 free throws, also two and a half blocks with a 114 defensive rating. There's certainly blood in the water here with with the Nuggets faltering and Jokic losing on, on the narrative. I mean, very strong narratives for Embiid. Uh, he's now plus 165 to win MVP, where he's plus 450 a couple weeks ago. Uh, and so I think he just comes out with another MVP caliber for performance. And if Jared Allen is not available, then that is trouble for the Cavs, right? I mean, is Evan Mobley going to be guarding this guy uh, for most of the game? And maybe that kind of throws him off in terms of a quicker defender, but Embiid bullying dudes right now. And the Sixers are on two days rest here versus a team that's on a back-to-back Um they are 38-19 when they get at least a day off this year. They're 12-5 as road favorites, which they are here. This is straight up numbers. And also, that's their most consistent over situation. 12-5 to the over by six points per game. Their offense in their last 12, they're number one in three-point shooting. Obviously, number one in free throws. Their their scoring is, is up to 119, so their games are averaging 231. Even at a slow pace, they've gotten to some really high totals, like 263 at Milwaukee at a 93 pace. And it's like, how did that happen? Well, the Sixers hit 18 threes. They hit 30, they have 37 free throw attempts and and, uh, and hit 31 of those. And the Cavs to me, I, I mean, I might call them the baby Cavs, not because they are so young across the board. I mean, they are pretty young, but it's 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 kind of an interesting like they're a, a step or two in the evolution behind the Bucks and in, in the way they play defense too, and, and they're getting roasted from the three point line because they haven't made that same adjustment that the Bucks have made. I believe the twenty eighth in opponents three point percentage in these last twelve. That's why we've been going over. So you you match up against the Sixers team that's number one in threes right now, getting great shots, high assist rate. Cavs are very low in assist rate right now. Um, and they're scoring their highest points off turnovers, and Philly's third in limiting that. So there's a lot of advantages here for Philly, who just beat them uh, right before the break when the Cavs were hot. And the, the the bad, bad loss when the last time they were at Cleveland in late November, you can throw that away. I mean, there was no hard in Maxi, and that was when the Sixers were in an absolute funk. They lost two more after that. Now they are, you know, rolling. They are very impressive, and Embiid is is just an unstoppable force. He, he is. Um, he's an unstoppable force. And what's interesting is like th- they've gotten better. Uh, Philly's just sort of changed. Honestly, like there was a point in the season where I think we were, we were all a little bit down on them, obviously before Embiid went on his tear, which it seems like he just does every year. Now there's going to be 20 games where he's like, no, I'm the best player. <laughs> and it's like unquestionable for 20 games. Um, but I don't know. He seems to rotate between like the three other guys that we could consider the best player in the league. But what's interesting too, 
is James Harden, Tyrese Maxey, really just James Harden. I think he's even extra pissed that he didn't get that uh, that all-star vote. He's like, I, I finally just play the way that everyone in the, in the media tells me I should be playing, where I'm dishing like crazy, and I'm just controlling the game with my vision and my handles, and I don't get the MVP, and so now I'm even more pissed, and now I'm averaging even more assists. Um, and also, it's just leading to Philly playing slightly differently. I think they're pushing it, even if their pace remains a little bit, you know, stagnant at times. It's it's, it's pretty even. Um, it's like middle of the league, if you will. But they've pushed it a lot, even on on a you know a made basket. Like they're clearly getting the ball out of the rim and going. And and, and Bead is running straight down the floor. But so is Harden and Maxi. They're just pushing the ball uh, each and every chance they get. That's why they've uh, you know over their their last seven, where you mentioned they win, they've won six of seven uh, overall, including like a number of high scoring affairs for the 76ers in that time frame. Um, because I mean, well, one, because they're they, sure you play the Bucks and you play the Pacers, um, even the Timberwolves, who the Timberwolves couldn't score. So that game went under. But, you know, the the, the Sixers had 117 points and still pushed the pace there. Um, but the, even against the Heat and the Mavs and these, this team is scoring right 120 against the Heat. The Mavs don't play defense anymore. So they got 126 against them. But that was also a game with Kyrie and Luka that we probably should have done a better job of seeing that Kyrie and Luka can't lose every game they play together. And they played really well in that one at home. Point being, like they're getting fast break points. That's what's doing it. They're just pushing it. They're pu- they're pushing the, the the ball even out of the main basket. They're also um, getting a, a ton more like defensive plays in transition defensive plays around the rim they were giving up a ton of fast break points they were giving up a ton of points around the rim and second chance points and in their last seven they're limiting all those things they're back to like top five um where you thought they would be with the best center in the league probably the best over i mean overall defensive and offensive combined yeah i don't think that's a question for Embiid um for what he does and in the way that he's finally been able to be that guy in the post um that that's been able to give them something behind their defenders on the wing who were also much better this season last year they were awful against the three this year they're much better against the three um so i like their opportunities there i i like them in this game a bit more i'm honestly a little bit scared of the Cavs' uh, ability to, to score like this. I know there's a bit more points on the back-to-back for, for uh, this team at times, but I, they, we've also just seen them come out and have some weird, like, stagnant offensive games that that does scare me a little bit. I just, I do agree that Philly's going to keep this thing going so much that, like, it's more likely that it goes over, and that's why it's been bet up. It was way too low to start. Uh, people just saw Cavs and thought, or, you know, oh, under at home, and they played last night, so they're tired legs or whatever. And I, I'm not necessarily buying into that, uh, but I I think what I'm saying is I feel a lot more strongly about Embiid and the Sixers being able to continue what they're doing, even in the situation, especially if Jared Allen doesn't play. Yeah, and no, I agree. Sixers to win is is the preferred look here. But some things in support of the over. I mean, you talked about Kairuka f- real quick as a kind of a tangent, but it's relevant here because we're talking about a dominant backcourt now backcourt, going yes. up against a team that can't guard athletic yep. guards. Last time they met, um, Garland went 10 for 14 from the floor. And could have scored more if he had higher usage. Donnie had 33 points. The Cavs also scored 74 in the second half of that game. So they just really started slow. And it still got to 230 uh, in Philly, granted. And Philly's a little lower scoring on the road. But uh, more of the Cavs situation here. They're 9-60 and over when they are underdogs. In that underdog role, Donnie kind of relishes, right, in saying like, okay, I'm just going to go out and get 40. I'm going to keep us in it. Um, whatever we can't do defensively, especially, you know, against a guy like Embiid, he, he will just match you. This is only the second time they've been underdogs at home all year. And that first one did go over by seven points. So I, I think there's a situation to say the under is looking good here, but 
again, you look at clutch numbers, and if this goes down to the stretch, the baby calves, they, they don't have experience enough experience is why I don't think they're really a threat in the playoffs is that they have their 27th in offensive rating, their last eight clutch games. Um, and Philly somehow number one in defense in their last 11 clutch winning seven of those against some really good teams. So I think, yeah, that's another reason to just say Embiid will have his fingerprints all over this one, whether it's on the defensive end down the stretch too, to help them get the win. And uh, yeah, I'll just save some of this for player props, but 35 in a win for Embiid at plus 230, don't mind that at FanDuel. Yeah, and either way, uh, this game is going to have implications for uh, the MVP races. It seems like every single game does have now. Um, I don't want to call it recency bias, man. There's 82 games in this season, and if Embiid continues to play this way down the stretch and the Nuggets continue to lose the way they have been down the stretch, um, even if Joker's playing well, which he's not playing as well, especially not as well as Embiid right now, I just wanted to touch on that for a second because, like I said, every game uh, that the 76ers and the Nuggets and maybe the Bucks play for the rest of the season, and probably not the Bucks nearly as much as in B's case, but they're they're close, and it's it's a lot closer than people might have thought when Jokic was like minus two fifty or three hundred to win MVP around the All Star break. Um, it's a little bit more fun than that now. So you're listening to the Lines.com podcast network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sports books all in one place? Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the Lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Steven Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. Nate, let's go ahead and jump right into your first NBA play a prop MVB. Yeah, I mean, I think he smells the opportunity to get the MVP here and has been playing like the MVP over the last couple of weeks since the All-Star break, 35 points per game. You look at just in March, 36, 37 per game, basically on a 38.5% usage 136 offensive rating, also a 114 defensive rating. So putting his fingerprints all over this, showing uh, this is Joel Embiid, of course, that he is a little bit more valuable than Jokic, perhaps on that end as a two-way player. Um, And we're talking about a game against the Cavs, um, uh, you know, the number one scoring defense in the league, but haven't had many answers for, for Embiid, even when Jared Allen is active. He's averaged 30 per game in his last nine against Allen, including a couple monster 40-point lines last February, getting the line 15 and a half times in those games. And that's the key for Embiid is, is can you keep him off the line? Probably not. I mean, he's averaging 14 free throw attempts per game since the All-Star break. And on the road, uh, 13 per game in his last eight roadies, That there's a huge spike in terms of his scoring on the road probably because the Sixers are more often in closer games um, and and more often forced to play in the half court. I think it's less of a maxi getting out and go. So he's averaging 34 and a half in his last eight road games with a higher usage rate compared to 31 at home in, in those last eight, nine games. And also playing on two days rest here, which is another reason to like Embiid. 39% usage rate this year when he has 
two days off. Uh, so DraftKings is giving you 31 and a half points at just minus 105. It's very, very generous of you. Thank you, DraftKings. Uh, 32 and a half at FanDuel, also really good odds. I, I guess they're they're trying to tempt people to say like, oh, Cleveland's defense is so good. Like there's no way. It doesn't matter. He could play. They could be playing six on five and Embiid will probably get 30 points. Um, so I'm looking at him to, to, to handle business here. 35 plus and a win at plus 230 is worth a look. And yeah, just the MVP race is getting closer and closer. He's about plus 160 now to catch uh, Joker. Yeah, yeah. Joel Embiid. MVB, yeah, should be very clear. We're talking about Joel Embiid in case that wasn't clear. Um, 31 and a half points is a lot, man. They definitely do kind of seem to want us to uh, to bet on this over um, and entice us. And, and maybe they think that, that that shouldn't be that high because of the interior defense of the Cavs. But no Allen's a huge deal. Um, Mobley, as good as he is all over the place, to be honest, uh, is an amazing defender, but not 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 necessarily going to be a match for Joel one on one as nobody in the league is. So I think it's a good a good opportunity for sure um, to, to keep going with Joel. Like, I, I'll trust you on it. I don't know that I'm going to be putting any money on MB tonight, but uh, because it's just so high and I'm scared of it. But it's it's definitely not a bad bet with all the numbers he threw out there to, to indicate he's going to go over. So um, Desmond Bain under 23 and a half points. Um, you know, it doesn't sound like a lot for a guy who is playing without John Morant and maybe last season, especially you think, oh, Jaws out, just take Baines overs. But it's not quite that simple right now for him. Um, it's 23 and a half points, which is kind of high. It's actually minus 130 on DraftKings for him to go under, uh, much worse than the over, which is actually even money for him to get over on DraftKings as well. Um, another little tempting, enticing over, right, that they want us to take here. But um, I would also just say before I even continue, I might take over on the assists at five and a half, which is plus 120 on DraftKings and gets you really good odds. And, and here's why I'm looking at this. And I've been looking at Bain a couple times. I talked about him on player props on article on the lines.com a few days ago as well and had some similar things to say as what I'm about to say right now, which is, um, you know, first of all, this game is going to be slow scoring. It's the heat. It's no Ja Morant. We've seen that in the last two times these teams has played with has been without Ja, one without Bain, uh, and the games are averaging 194 points because Memphis is averaging 103 uh, and the Heat are averaging 91. So I do think it's going to be another, as you said at the time when you were reading those lines, uh, a grit and grind kind of game for sure. Um, and Bain without Jaw this season, a little bit better, but 21 points versus 22 points. Still doesn't get you to the points prop. Um, and, and that's in nine games. It's just a one point uptick. He does go from three assists to 5.6, 5.7 assists per game without Ja. And in the last two games that Ja hasn't played, we're talking about assist totals of like nine and eight, right? So he and he's been going up a lot more. Also, something that was very interesting in the one game that Ja and Bain did not play against Miami, uh, Tyus Jones had 10 assists and nobody else had more than two because nobody else can assist on this team uh, besides, you know, Tyus Jones or Ja. And in this case, Desmond Bain. I think they know that without Ja out there, they have even fewer ball handlers and they really only have like one, maybe two uh, besides him that, that can really play make. So they, he needs to do that. Um, in his last two versus Miami, who's amazing against shooting guards where they limit, uh, you know, points to the tune of the third, third fewest to shooting guards. In his last two versus the Heat last season, 19 points, five boards, two assists. That was in 29 and a half minutes. He'll probably get closer to 35 
25 tonight, but I don't think that gets him um, enough points uh, to get there. The assists you might consider, the other thing I was going to say is the, the Heat do allow the eighth most assists per game to shooting guards. So if there is a stat that you're going to give up to Bain, who has been getting more of those stats and has gotten over five and a half assists in four of his last five without Ja Morant, the five and a half assists for really good odds feels great. The 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 uh the t- under twenty four points tonight also just feels like something that's going to have to happen in a low scoring game against this Heat squad. Yeah, I I, pre- I think I you're right on the logic here. If you wanted to take over on assists, I think I would just go ten and a half rebounds assists. Um, because because we're talking about that type of game, right, where the Heat that's are true. like twenty eighth in offense and yep. there's going to be boards. 15 rebounds and assists for Bain in consecutive games. The second one in just 29 minutes against the Mavs. Good call. Um, so, yeah, I do think he'll be piling up peripherals. And I, yeah, I think he'll be right around 20, 22 points. So it's a little scary to take minus 130 on the under yeah. for me. Uh, but I do think, yeah, he's going to have, he's going to have a lot of responsibilities here for, for the Grizz. I'm looking at former Grizzly Mike Connolly who is starting to settle into his role here with Minnesota. Um, Aside from that really ugly offensive game for the entire team against Philly, he's been a reliable source of of, of stats. I mean, those other four games, and you're talking about his last five, in four of those, 17.5 points per game, four rebounds, five assists. So he's cruised past a prop of 20.5 PRA in those games. Um, And Boston is not a shutdown force right now at all. Rob Williams is out. And that to me means I like both Conley and Gobert to get theirs going, to get going in the pick and roll game, to get the lob game going. Rudy is even money to have 15 points in this spot. Boston has given up 61 paint points in their last three road games with a 118 defensive rating. Um, They've also gave up 27 assists to a Houston Rockets team in losing to them. Uh, a Houston Rockets team that has no interest in sharing the ball with each other. And so Conley, he's going to be distributing. Uh, It's tempting plus 125 odds for him to get six dimes here. I think the safer bet is to lump it all together. Assume he gets about 11, 12 points. Um, He has had success against Boston, even as an old man in in December of last season, 29, four and seven at home with the jazz. uh, That's a season and a half ago. But averaging 19 and four and a half assists in his last five against Marcus Smart and company. And uh, I just don't think Boston is, is bringing that same intensity right now. So I look for Minnesota to, to, to have some success here with that pick and roll game. Yeah, no, I think that's that's totally fair. Uh, you know, I think what's interesting about Conley is just it's like a, a revival. Um, I mean, maybe he just needed to be uh, closer to Rudy. I don't know. But yeah, I, th- I, I like this this game tonight as well. Um, and, you know, the Celtics kind of struggling, like you said. So I, there's definitely some opportunity. Uh, we've talked about Marcus Smart not playing that well as well, if you're talking about uh, the other perimeter defense there. So um, Conley should be okay tonight. And, and I, I like uh, the, what's happened for his career because I thought he might still have a little bit left to offer. And I think he definitely is showing that he does. So let's talk about a, a point guard on the other side of his career at the very beginning, Mr. Jaden Hardy, who we do not have uh, any props for, full discrepancy, uh, that we do not know what his props are yet, but we do not care. Uh, as Nate said adequate, um, uh, very eloquently, uh, Jaden Hardy, I don't care what his props are over, uh, is what we're choosing tonight. You could take the rebounds and assists. You could take the points. You could t- I really just go for the points, right? Like It's probably going to be, what, like 16 and a half is my throwing my guess out there after he's had back-to-back 20-point 
20 point performances, including 28. He does play point guard. So we do want Kyrie to sit to make sure we get over it, but you might still get some late props for Jaden Hardy. Even if Kyrie is declared uh, eligible to play tonight by the, you know, coaching staff and in, in, in the, uh, the training staff there. Um, he, I don't know why you would bring him back in a game against the Spurs. Maybe you just want to make sure you win because the Spurs had a huge 18-point victory last night against those Orlando Magic. Um, but if you also look at the Orlando Magic and and, and what they did, uh, who scored for them, I mean, Markel Fultz had a fine game. If he could shoot at all, um, you know, he would have been a bigger threat. But then when Cole Anthony came in, he did fine as well. So the point guards were totally fine uh, against the uh, the Spurs last night. That's definitely not where they're going to be stopping you with their starting point guard, I believe, is Devontae Graham right now. Um, there's a couple other guys getting run in there, some that none of us have heard of, I assure you. Um, so I think there's some pretty good opportunity to get points. And Jaden Hardy, even if he gets 31 minutes off the bench, like give me 20 on that dude for sure. I just love the way he's playing right now. So talk to me about Jaden Hardy and how much you love him as well. Yeah, I mean, 31 minutes is a low ball. He's played 39 his last two without Kyrie. Right. And you got to think the Mavs, yeah, even if they get Kyrie in there, are going to be like, this is our identity now. We have two high-volume guards. So yeah. Hardy will slide into that Luka role a little bit. I mean, 32.5% usage with both those guys out, 25 points per game on really actually poor shooting because he's playing Memphis, right? Mm. And now he's playing the Spurs. And the Spurs are on a back-to-back, like you said, Spurs are playing Devontae Graham as much as possible and sitting their lengthy defenders like Keldon Johnson and, and Branham because they just don't want to necessarily win too many games. Give um, us Branham back. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if he's going to be available nope. much down the stretch. But, yeah, I don't think his props are still going to be that high. I mean, we, have, we only have this two-game sample size, especially if Kyrie plays. Yeah, then you're looking at like 16 points probably. Maybe if he's out, we're more around the 20-point margin. But I, I just think he's going to continue to see huge usage uh, for, for a Mavs team that's missing a lot of key scorers. Yeah, I'll, I'm definitely tweeting out whatever Jaden Hardy's uh, prop is as soon as we find it for sure. So make sure you stick on that. Uh, and anyway, you have to stick on who's, you know, stay on top of who is going to be playing in these games as well. Continuously through the throughout the rest of the season, in the NBA. Uh, so make sure to stay on the lines.com with us as well. And that's all the time we have for you. So until we see you next. Happy betting.